Welcome to Improving Intimacy, a podcast to help single and married Latter-day Saints strengthen their family connections and marriages. Daniel A. Burgess is the host of Improving Intimacy. Daniel's a marriage and family therapist, father, husband, and author. Here's Daniel on this episode of Improving Intimacy. Welcome to another episode of Improving Intimacy. On today's episode, we have Sarah Chapman, who is an author, and we're excited to review her book with her today and kind of learn her journey to getting to this book. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Daniel. I appreciate this. This is really exciting. I'm very excited. As somebody who's who's writing a book, I, I also want to kind of selfishly learn your journey. Mine's been a very difficult one. And... Uh, <laughs> So I may get a little uh, selfish in my inquiries here, but more importantly, I'm curious to hear more about you. Who are you as a as a wife, as a person, as a mother? Um, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself and what got got you to this point. Sure, love to. Um, so I we well Trent and I, my husband and I, will be going on 19 years of marriage this September. I have five children. I currently live in Utah. Um, we lived in California for a time, actually, in San Diego area, actually. Um, missed that place, for sure. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I um, first, basically, I, you know, I grew up in, a, in an LDS home, and um, my, I grew up in a family with eight children, and I'm six of eight. And I just basically... In our home, we didn't talk about anything, rem- anything remotely close to our bodies. Um, we were very surface type of family. Um, we didn't really talk about hard things. Um, I wouldn't say that we were an authentic family, um, but at the same time, I did feel loved by my parents, and I felt that they were providing me a, a really great education, um, secularly as well as spiritually. And so I didn't feel like I was necessarily neglected in the way I was thinking. Um, however, you know, growing up in as a teenager in the 90s, um, I just, I, you know, I would run around with some friends who were sexually active and being the naive young teenager that I was, um, I kind of looked at them and viewed them as as people who were, um, naughty girls, right? And so, and I remember, you know, church lessons here and there. Um, wasn't very often, but I do remember those specific metaphors that were shared. Um, I actually did get the chewed up piece of gum kind of analogy, which maybe a lot of your audience oh, here might have gotten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and then I also um, just really created a lot of. Um, like I would just look at the word sex and just immediately think that it was just this dirty thing. However, there was also this other part of me that was being told that it was this sacred thing and you don't talk about it. Right. And so I was just kind of like this back and forth in my head about like, what is this? And so, um, sure. I had boyfriends in high school. Um, and I do remember like, getting close a couple times where I feel like my body was in a state of arousal. Obviously I didn't know what it was because I didn't know my body then, but looking back, I'm like, Oh, that's what that tingling sensation was when I was getting close to that boy. Oh, okay. Right. I can say that now, but at the time as a teenager, I didn't at all. And I never, um, like when I would shower and stuff, like I would just hurry and shower really quick and then get out. Um, I never wanted to, self-pleasure or anything at all. I didn't even know my body. And so come the time of marriage, um, the night before I'm to be married, my mom thinks it's a great time to talk about sex. So she pulls me aside and she basically asked me, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow night, right? And I was like, well, I guess. I mean, I kind of remember my teenagers back in high school telling me that a penis goes inside a vagina. But then I was like, would like plug my ears, like, no, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. And so I just like, just kind of ignore what they were going to really tell me. And so I, I knew just 
that fact that a penis goes into the vagina and that was it. And so my mom's like, well, here's a book. Go ahead and read this book. And it was the book from, um, uh, is it called Between Husband and Wife by Lamb, Dr. Lamb? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was that book. <laughs> and I was like, Mom, like, I don't have time to read this book. And she's like, well, you'll eventually, you know, refer back to it. And that was it. That was my sex talk from my mom. Um, and so I was just basically thrown into fire um, the night of my wedding. It was very traumatic and um, very long, exhausting night as any honeymooners, right, could imagine who had never had sex before, trying to figure things out and try to figure out our bodies, right? So anyway, it was just a mess. And um, I called my mom like the next day, just like in tears, like, I just got married and this has happened to me. I didn't go into details with her because we don't, we don't talk about details or anything like that. But I really wanted to like, it was like a cry for help. Like, why didn't you tell me these things? You know, like, why didn't you help me to understand how my body works in this way and that it's supposed to be designed for this anyway. So, um, and that's just kind of like the cycle that happened right basically the first 16 years of my marriage. And it was our, that was the only thing we really thought about in our marriage was sex. Um, it wasn't money or anything. It was always about sex. And you, you, mean, you was mean always the issues were always the around issues, sex. Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Issues around sex. And so he would always try to approach me and, and help to try to fix me. Right. Because of course he wanted a, a decent experience too, but it, the same time I was looking at him like, Oh, well, this is all you want. Like you just want my body. And that was it. And so I viewed myself as this tool for him. So, so, so let me, let me pause you right there. What you just sure. stated was, um, big, it was huge. Uh, so you viewed yourself as a tool for him to get satisfied. Is that what you're exactly. saying? Exactly. Yeah. And that was because you know, of... I never, yeah. Cause I never self, like I never wanted to receive that pleasure for myself because I once again thought of it. It was like, I was a, a bad girl if I did that. Right. And so even when I did have, um, an orgasm, I'd immediately feel guilty every single time afterwards because of this, this like shame that I had created in my head about me having pleasure. And so then I viewed him, Oh, he's just, he's just using my body and sex is, for him and orgasm is something that he just needs all the time. So you, I, I want to explore that a little bit if, if you're okay with it. I know you, you bring it sure. up in indirect ways. In fact, in your book, Underneath It All, and I, I apologize to the audience, I didn't mention the name of your book. It's Underneath It All, You're Naked. Well, I, I love that title, by the way. I think it's it's excellent. Your Thank subtitle you. is Shedding the Light, Shedding Light on Misconceptions About Sex from a Christian's Wife to a Christian Woman. But what you said right there was, you couldn't allow yourself to experience pleasure. Uh, if you're okay with that, uh, let's explore that a little bit more. You're not the first to say this on my podcast, and, and I hear it a lot from the clients. What did it mean to you to experience pleasure? You're married now. You, you knew clearly beforehand that, or at least your value system says, before marriage, I'm not going to experience this. You're saying you jump in the shower, you get out as fast as you can because you didn't want to self-stimulate or do anything wrong. Yep. So now you're married. What was the barrier for you in in allowing yourself to experience that joy? Um, well, I think um, you're you're basically asking what kind of shifted that focus for me. Well, what what continued? So you know, a lot of men will get into a relationship. Yeah, they know they're not supposed to pleasure before marriage, but now they're in marriage and they they're willing to let it all go. Kind of the the dynamic that you just explained with you and your husband, but what yeah. prevented you? Um, I guess maybe, is it a shift? I guess that's a question I'm asking you is, is it a shift or it seemed more like though you carried this perspective. I'm not allowed to have sexual pleasure even in marriage, which yeah. seems incongruent with the, the thoughts and beliefs you had before marriage. What was the yeah. barrier to, I mean, you, you saw your husband having pleasure 
did that pique your interest to say, how can I have that pleasure? Or was it this continued, I can't have this. It's too shameful. It's too hurtful. Um, no, it was definitely, I, I, it was too hurtful to me. And, and I just, um, I would just lay there. Um, I always like to say I lay there like a dead fish. Maybe you've heard that term before, but I would just allow him to just do whatever he wanted to my body. And, um, and you know, I, I'm, I was really good at faking orgasms. I, um, <laughs> that was definitely something just to get him off me as soon as I could. Right because I just felt dirty the whole time. I was like when he was on me, like it was just, I, I, it's amazing how much can like conditioning that I had created in my head and this, this belief um, that just really ate away at my soul just to like know that this shame enveloped my whole body and created a wedge in my my marriage where I looked at him as somebody that just used me, you know? So, um, so I'm really curious, what took you from that experience to what you say on page 56 is this idea of being able to embrace it very differently, practice patience, self-compassion, and have a sense of humor about it. That seems like a, a complete 180 shift. What yeah. was the journey you had from what you were experiencing that pleasure is painful and icky to this wonderful perspective of even having a sense of humor about it? What led yeah. you there? Well, it's not an overnight thing. I'll just say that right now. <laughs> um, it definitely was, you know, I had this moment, this wake up call, you know, um, 16 years in, I just, I was, I was set up. I mean, I just kept just basically like um, telling myself over and over and over, Sarah, why can't you figure this out? Why is this so hard for you? Why can't you just get over this? Like, why do you look at sex in this perspective and, and just this why, 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 right? And so I finally had this moment of surrender and I didn't talk to anybody, Daniel. Like I suffered in silence for years. I didn't talk to my sisters, definitely not my mom, right? Not even my girlfriends, nobody. That's what um, we're taught. We're not taught to even talk to our, our loved ones about it, even our spouse. Exactly. Exactly. And so, of course, and then Trent would ask me, my husband would ask me, what is it that you want? And I'm like, well, I don't know what I want. I've never allowed myself to have conversations and talk about it. And then he would just ask me question after question to open my mind to, to see the possibility. And then I'd shut him down all the time, right? It was just this constant battle. So finally, it was just this one day, um, I... I call this Suzanne. I, I refer to her in my book a lot. Um, she was this woman who I met randomly in Guatemala, of all places. Um, and like, I just look back and I'm like, it was by divine design that I was to meet her that summer of 2017 so that she could open my eyes. I, I actually love what you said about Suzanne is that she started her journey because of romance no novels. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I'm not a big romance novel kind of girl, but you know, some people are. And so anyway, we got to talking, we literally were our air, like our Airbnbs were like literally across from each other. And I didn't know Spanish. She didn't know Spanish. It was a Sunday afternoon. We had nothing else to do. So we got to know each other. Um, and we literally, like she just opened up to me and was basically like, we talked about our sex lives and this was the very first time I'm like, this is a, this is a really fun conversation. It was the first time I actually looked at it with, with clear eyes to see the potential in me and the hope because she had already kind of gone through her own little journey and because she was basically me. Um, and, and so she gave me hope to, to like look at it with, a different set of eyes and so I went from this place of and this is where I talk a lot about in my book this view of you know going from a judgment place to being more curious and so she allowed me and she gave me permission it's interesting how us women we need permission you know <laughs> what I'm curious but, though is what was it about Suzanne that allowed you to open up you had been fighting this for so many years 
Yeah. What what prevented you from putting up just another berries? Nope, I'm not. I can't talk about that. That's betraying That's my true. husband. That's betraying myself. What was it about yeah. her that allowed you to open up? I think that's the biggest thing with, with women is finding that opportunity and how, because they get into the same place where I can't talk about this and I won't talk about it. I don't care how familiar I am with you. So what was yeah. it about her? Well, um, one of the things that I had been studying and learning about, um, I love Brene Brown. And at that point in my life, I'd really been learning a lot about vulnerability and authenticity. And when she just started talking to me and exposing herself to me, I was like, she gave me permission to therefore share some of my things, right? And so there's power when you can start a conversation and be like, I messed up, you know, here's all these parts of me that I don't understand. Can you help me kind of walk through this? Um, And that's what she was for me, you know? And I think that's what really like create that safe place for me she was like my safe place um and because we could relate on so many levels right and so i think when there's vulnerability and authenticity in any friendship or relationship um there's definitely power behind that to be able to know like hey i'm not alone um we can do this together you know and i feel like that's kind of what i've been doing now it's like, you know, here's my mess and I'm creating it into a message and helping other women to understand, like, you're not alone. You're not broken. Um, there's hope for you. And I think that's what's beautiful about this. And that's what made that shift for me is to allow myself to just open up, receive the information from this trusted, well, quick, quick, trusted friend, right? Because I just met her um, and just share all of me with her. It was quite an experience, that's for sure. So it sounds like Brene Brown gave you that courage, that platform, or not platform, kind of that foundation that it's okay to be vulnerable here. But what I think is important for the audience to be aware of is you're still really new in your journey. This was very recently. So you went to, on that trip back in, if I remember right, 2017? 2017, yeah. So you're only like three years into this. Yeah. That yeah. is phenomenal. You you cranked out a book and sharing your journey. That's yeah. so emotionally. What is it like for you right now? So, kind of step away from the book and this narrative. You you really are in, in the context of people who are learning themselves. You're really at the beginning of this journey. So emotionally, what are you going through right now? Um, emotionally, I mean it just. You know, when I started it, I, you know, I just consumed as much information as I could. I finally got to this place where I was could. Um, do, do you feel like you're give, a lot more confident or you feel like you still have a lot of insecurities or vulnerabilities around it? Where, where do you feel um, like you're at? Yeah, I no, I totally feel confident um, in my sexuality now. And I can say that. Um, I wouldn't say 100% for sure. I'm still learning and growing. And I think that's what's great about um, just understanding your sexuality because it's going to always evolve and change because there's just more things we're going to find out about ourselves. Um, But, oh man, just to think about where, even just even two years ago um, to where I am now um, and being able to um, have emotional connection with my husband and him understanding how me as a, as a woman, how I work and, you know, he takes the time to emotionally connect with me before even getting into the bedroom, you know, and understanding how my body needs to go through this, you know, sexual response cycle, which I talked about that in my book. And there's a lot of, you know, therapists out there that talk about um, the different sexual response cycles that we go through, right? Exactly. And just understanding that. So you've you given yourself permission to get here so that you can help your husband understand your body because yes. in the past, you know, he's asking what you want. And as you said, you, there is a dead fish. Just just finish yeah. it out. That yeah. I think is critical. Like I posted in our improving intimacy group today, this this idea of uh especially with women, okay, I given myself permission. Now it's scary. Was it scary to give you give yourself permission? Were you afraid of what you would Discover? Oh yeah, 
yes. So, of course, we're going to have those fears. You know, that's part of kind of like our human nature, especially when we um, create so much judgment and shame around it. There's going to be fear that comes up. And um, there's definitely going to be, you know, things that we might come across we don't quite understand or we definitely judge really quickly, right? Um, Masturbation being one of them for me. Like, that was a huge, like, like I didn't want to enter that specific subject until I felt comfortable in my body first and, like, learning the anatomy of my body first. Um, before I could venture into that. So I feel like it's like a series of like stepping stones you kind of have to um, evolve into and work into. And I, as I started reading all these books, um, that's kind of what happened is after I met with Suzanne, she gave me a couple books to read. And from there, I just like took off. Like I was just like, I was like thirsting for knowledge for the first time in sex and once I read one book, I went to the next book and then I went to the next book and just reading so much content I could get my hands on. Um, and it was just this like basically cry for help um, and just learning on my couch from all different kinds of therapists and sex experts and um, human sexuality professors and so many things. And I just was like, oh my gosh, I'm finally in a place where I can receive this. And yes, there's going to be content out there. Once again, you just kind of have to like pick and choose. I don't know, like what resonates with you. I I think that's, um, I want to ask you about that. But before I do, I I really appreciate you addressing uh, briefly in your book about masturbation. And you give a a context for it, the history behind it, the fears around it. What was that journey for you? You're addressing that fear. You're you're realizing, okay, I need to understand myself. Some wives mm-hmm. feel like, I okay, I do need to figure out my body, but I will not do it without my husband present. What was it like yeah. for you? Did you find that it was more valuable to do it alone so you could do it without pressure, or was it important for you to explore that with your with your spouse? So uh, the beginning, I you know I chose to explore with my husband. And it's still a work in progress, Daniel. Like, I'm still kind of like, I'm not fully 100% like going off by myself all the time. You know what I mean? But at the same time, like, it's kind of going back to the stepping stone thing. Like, I, I start with my husband just to, to understand and, and, and know and feel comfortable. Um, and then, you know, I've, I, it's, it's still just something that I know. I know. That's the crazy part. Like, I know that it's beneficial for me to know what feels good and what doesn't, you know? Um, Absolutely. But then the shame just creeps in. And I remember this one specific time I was like, okay, Sarah, like I was seriously like coaching myself, like, okay, Sarah, we can do this. We can do this. You know, like. Yeah, you're talking about um, when, when you're masturbating, you're trying to yeah, get into the like headspace. I'll go and I'll coach myself and like, I'll breathe and everything. Like, you know, a really great book, Slow Sex, was really powerful for me, by the way. Okay. Um, just excellent, breathing. And, excellent book. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think a lot of, so we're speaking to an LDS audience or a Christian-based audience. Um, sometimes that book isn't received very well. They, she talks about a lot yeah. of, uh, so the audience, it's an excellent book. Excellent book. Yeah. It is. It does venture into some concepts and ideas that I think are extremely helpful. But be aware, it is it is not not yeah. a warning, but just be aware. You're not going out and getting, uh, you, you know, an LDS book on how to understand your own sexuality. It's it's a very right. raw and and in depth book. Excellent. Yeah. So I yeah I think that's so that kind of leads me to my second question, or where we left off before I asked this question was how. So there's so many resources out there. Often when people start to explore this route, they stay, you know, they kind of follow that insecurity by staying on a very safe path of, of resources. I don't want to name any books. I don't want anybody to feel like they're being judged around it, but how did you, so for example, like Emily Nagowski, that's not an LDS author. How did you determine which books were good for you? You know, whether it's Jennifer Finland's Fife or Natasha, Uh uh, what, what was your internal compass to decide this is helpful. This is good in my pursuit of my own sexuality, but being within the framework of my, my faith. Sure. 
um, and this thing, when you go on Amazon, there's going to be all kinds of reviews from all over, right? And so, of course, I would read the reviews because that's what most people do when they go searching for a book. Um, but also, um, of course, having my friend Suzanne, of course, had already read a few. So I kind of had a understanding um, from some of the things, right? But then there's also this, um, the, I did go and actually look them up, not just about their book, but just them as a person. Um, and so I did some research on who they are and, and like, what are they teaching? What are they like out there? Like, what's their message kind of thing? And so then I felt more comfortable to kind of open up and, and peek. And of course I'd go to my, um, just city library, right. And go to the sexuality section and I just camp out and just kind of peruse books that way. Um, that's also helpful cause it's, you know, free. It's not like I'm going to buy a book. Um, but there's so many, well, like there's just, there's amazing people out there doing amazing things. And, um, so I guess I, and I just, let me push it's a little just, bit on this is, for example, with slow sex, what kept you from reading that and say, whoa, this is way outside of my value system. I shouldn't be reading this. I mean, we're talking about a, just three years ago. Here's Sarah, yeah. who's, who's just now recognizing all the rigidity around your sexual understanding and lack of understanding with your sexuality. Yeah. What kept you from throwing that book aside and saying, this is, this is horrible? Well, it's, I know this sounds really simple, but it's what I kept coming back to all the time. Daniel, it's the Sarah, quit judging it, be more curious. Not simple at all. That, that is beautiful. You know, that's it. That's all, all. And that's what I had to tell myself all the time. Like, Sarah, you're looking at oral sex and you're judging it. How can I be more curious about how it can apply to me? in my relationship, in my intimate relationship with my husband. Like, what does that look like? You know? And so it, it really is simple, but it it was so profound to me and it's carried me the last three years. And that's why I really like hone in on it in my book that it's like waking up women to understand, quit judging it so much. Um, Absolutely and look at love it, it from a place of curiosity. And I think you see that journey as you go through this, like starting and what chapter is this? Page 100 or so. You start talking about loving yourself from the inside out and you do a yeah. full inventory. What do I like? Yeah. What's, what am I insecure about? I'm putting some of my own words to this, but uh, you take the individual through this process. And I think that's key. Absolutely key. So yes, the answer is simple, but boy, the process can be painful. And that's something I actually warn my clients when I do this similar type of self inventory, I I have them often uh, review themselves. Where did they start? I like the word you you used, stop judging it and just learn from it. And I have people start to do this is stop judging your body. In fact, look at yourself. You think you have a fat tummy. Who told you that? Who defined that for you? Who took away your agency to keep you from actually looking at yourself and the way you should, who defined it. And they'll go through this emotional process. Oh my goodness. That first boy I dated, he made fun of me or he poked me in the, t- I mean, ever since then I've been insecure. I'm not going to let that dude take away from my agency. I'm going to choose how to view my body. And you kind of do yeah. a similar thing here. Tell us yeah, a little bit more about that. Yeah. So this is actually my second book. Um, <laughs> I wrote a book five years ago called mind strength for women and it was all about just just loving ourselves and 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 um overcoming these this idea that we're not enough and we're not good enough we're not smart enough and all these things right um of course i at that time i i did like i learned a lot about myself and so the the crazy part to that whole story was i felt amazing like and went through you know a physical change emotional change and all these other things, but I kept sex hidden up in the corner, you know, like in this closet, you know? And, um, so when I actually brought sex in into the light, right now, I felt like I've become this whole person and I'm this like 
whole unique being. And, and I talk about this term called sexy confidence in my book. Um, and how as women, it's not so much, you know, about our body or anything of that nature. It's how do we walk into a room and how do we make people feel what, like what kind of energy are we bringing into the room? Um, is this a loving environment? Um, and this is where I kind of had to do this with my husband too, because when you're in the bedroom, um, as women, we start to, like, if we even put on a piece of lingerie or something, right. We start to immediately judge our body that it's not looking so amazing. And I, and I talk about in, when I'm with women and stuff, I talk about this idea of like, you know, there's this way as women, we get into serious judgment, but when we can come from to learning to love ourselves from um, the way God sees us, because obviously that's important, um, that we can just be able to be at one with our husbands even and not focus so much on the belly fat that's hanging out while we're trying to get on top of him, you know? Um, and just like think about how we can emotionally connect instead of like looking at our bodies and, and judging every nook and cranny that we don't like kind of thing. Love that. So now you, you jumped into something later on about how women need novelty. I thought this was interesting. I believe it. I'm one who likes to shatter myths out there, but the prevailing thought is men need novelty. Women want consistency. Tell me more about this. Uh, I think this is fascinating. I think no one, I don't think anybody else is addressing it. And I've read a lot of books. So tell me a little bit about your discovery there. Um, yeah, well, I think also too, I, I mean, I, I do believe that women, we do need novelty. Um, we just don't think we need it. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. We do love, yes. we like change. Like I don't like the same position every time. I mean, anybody else? I, I mean, once I actually was a, I mean, I, yes, I did missionary position for years. Trust me. I know. Right. But now that I've educated myself and I found other ways to, you know, what they quote unquote spice up the bedroom. Right. Um, I actually do thrive on change in the bedroom. Um, it keeps the spark alive and it creates, creates more novelty, you know? Well, I think that's um, important yeah. because I think a lot yeah. of men get criticized because they want something new and that's scary yeah. for their partners. But I, yeah. you're realizing part of the problem is you wanted it to be changed up. You wanted it exciting. You want yep. it novel. And I think that's yeah. part of the discovery for a lot of women and discovering their desire is, wow, I'm realizing I'm not as vanilla as I thought I was. Yeah. Uh, where will this end? Were you concerned yeah. with that? Did you feel like you were going to go into desires and passions and things that were forbidden for you? Or what was that experience like for you? Yeah. Um, well, of course, at the beginning, um, because, you know, my shame was still enveloped around me in, in certain points where it would rise up, you know, and but then I would have to open my eyes like, Sarah, quit. It's, quit judging it again, you know. Um, but at the same time, like, I realized, like, how how we can add just more experiences that we haven't had necessarily before in the, like the safety of our own like couple relationship. Um, just going back to the was, concept of not judging it and allow it to flow naturally. Yeah. As Emily Nagowski yeah. says, don't put on the brakes, just. Yeah. The brakes. I love that analogy too. <laughs> oh my gosh. That she's yeah. Don't put on the brakes. Keep the accelerator going because you know, sometimes you don't know if you're even going to like it. Right. And so quit judging that you're not going to like it before you even start it. Right. And allow yourself to receive. Okay. That's another thing. Oh my gosh. As women, we give, give, give all day long to everybody and everything all the time. Right. And so when I was like, Sarah, you deserve to receive, you get to receive pleasure. You get to receive these different, avenues of novelty and this is okay for you like 
once again, I, I've had to coach myself. I do this like mental, you know, inventory in my head before I have sex with my husband. Like, Sarah, we can do this. It's fine. Like, this is something that we've talked about. We've had discussions about this. We feel comfortable that this is something we want to choose to do and explore. And let's be open to that. So, yeah, I'm really good at coaching myself now. Yeah, it sounds like it. it. Sounds like you've you've come a long way in just three years. I I like the other concept that you shared about um, sex drives, does desire level. The differences yeah. aren't the problem. Share with the audience what you meant by that. Um, differences aren't the problem. Um, we label ourselves when we first get married. <laughs> um, now, like you know, as I've learned, not all men are higher desire partners. Okay. Right. And Not so, at all. Right. It, right. And so we are really quick to label who's higher, who's lower, you know, <laughs> and um, we there's a and do you want me to quote books in here? You absolutely tell, tell okay. your story. Yep. My one of the books, Passion Paradox. Have you heard of that book? Actually, no, I haven't read. Nor have okay. I I'm trying to think of the author right now, but it was it's like it's an old book it was like it's old but anyway there's this and he talks about this whole idea of of passion um because as sometimes like as women um we label ourselves as lower desire say that we are right um and then we view the partner as the higher desire but there's different ways of expressing and showing passion to each other and it doesn't necessarily have to be just like a sexual thing. Sometimes in different seasons of our life, we kind of ebb and flow and, you know, go from one extreme to another or something, you know? And I think this whole idea that we put labels is unfortunate because I chose to give myself that label for all those years and I clung on to it. And I would just view my husband like, you just want sex all the time. And I'm just going to sit here and just kind of vent to you that I don't want to have it because I've already labeled myself that I don't want it. As opposed to learning how to meet the needs of each other. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that theme is is so important throughout your book. I refer to it as breaking the, the culture of sexual silence. And I love that you, you, you hit on it throughout the entirety of your book, uh, especially, I believe, in chapter 14, talking about, even if I don't know a lot about it, talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about everything yeah. you know about sex and yeah. become comfortable with it. That is so important. As you learned early on with your mom and with other friends, you couldn't talk about it. And that is one of the biggest desire killers and um, barriers to education. So learning yeah. how to break that culture of silence around sexuality, even when you don't know fully what you're talking about, start to share. That's what we do as kids. We talk about things we don't know, and then parents correct yeah. us. People inform us. You go into it non-judgmentally. Again, another thing that you carry throughout the book. Absolutely wonderful. You want to tell us a little yeah. bit about how you, how that, what that was like for you? Is, is you realize you're in this process. You're learning. What were some of the fears, hesitations, or positive experiences you had with sharing freely your knowledge? Okay, so, you know, I'm reading all these books, right? And I'm consuming everything that I could. And I just, I remember always just like walking out, like in public, you know, in Target or wherever. And I'm seeing all these women and I'm like, oh, if they only knew. Oh, if they only knew, right? <laughs> and like there's a point where, because I, I, I truly believe I've obviously come to a place where I, and you see in my book, I'm, I'm, I'm a realist. Like I really share um, the dark sides of me and my hangups and everything. And I'm okay with it. I've come to the place where I don't have this fear of judgment, what other people might think of me because I've realized that the more I share, the more respect I get from other people. And so as I was reading all these things and I'm going out into public and I see all these women and, and I'm just wondering, I'm like, I wonder if she's like, if she was like me, because I'm now in, you know, I'm, I don't really, 
it's hard for me sometimes to even take myself back even three years ago to where I was because I'm just so much more happier now. But sometimes I have to take myself there so that I can be, you know, relatable to other women, right? So, of course, in our um, LDS culture, um, <laughs> I am definitely, I've, I've lost friendships. I'll be honest. I, what, what do you mean? I, I think I know what you're talking about there because I've yeah. experienced the same. But share with the audience what that means. Just because you're being passionate and open about sexuality, you lost friends. Yeah. What happened there? Yeah. So um, just in small conversations sometimes or I might have um, written like a post or something on Facebook about a book that I was reading. And then it just rubs somebody the wrong way you know and I've actually had um, a few friends who have vocally come and told me that um, that they don't agree with what I'm talking about and learning about and that's fine and I it was of course that hard to hear because it's like a blow it's like this form of rejection that you don't want to you don't want to ever experience in your life but at the same time there was like 30 plus women behind me, like saying, thank you. You know, I learned so much from you, you know? And so it's just our human nature to cling on to those one or two people that give you that negative comment. Right. Um, but it definitely propelled me to, to keep sharing because I, I know how my life has changed because of it. And my marriage has changed because of it. And I can't deny it. And so as I've opened up about it um, and talked to people within my neighborhood or community, um, like I just know that I am making strides with people. Um, and I'm actually just, just yesterday, I had a friend who has finally come around. Um, I've been talking to her for like, since I started reading books. And just recently, she's like, Sarah, I think I'm ready, you know, and you just have to kind of wait for those people to come around and they will eventually. And they'll realize just how powerful this can be when they can open and be more curious to see what their life can be like if they chose to look at it in with a different perspective. So. Absolutely. So yeah. In other words, you're not pushing you're not pushing your narrative. No. People know what you no, know because yeah. you're open about it and you're waiting for them to come and, and seek you yeah. out. That's excellent. Exactly. And I, yeah, I'm just going to wait for them. And whenever they're ready, I'll, I'll be there with open arms to teach them and to, to guide them through their own experience. Like the crazy part is I have no desire to be a sex therapist like yourself or, you know, go and be a professor or anything of that nature. Like I just, I just love learning about it. And so I feel like, I don't know, I guess people can kind of resonate more with a girl off the street, I guess, first. And then, and then I can guide them to therapists or whoever else they need help with. Right. Cause I obviously don't have all the tools, but I'm their starting point, you know? And that's what I, I love about, you know, me being open about it is that I can be their starting point and then they can move from there to seek more professional help if they need it, you know? Absolutely. What a, what a wonderful theme that you've carried out through the book. I think it's been wonderfully done. I think you've communicated well. Are there, as we wrap up here, are there anything else about the book or your experiences that you feel is important for the audience to know about you and your journey or maybe possibly the journey that they're going through? Oh yeah. I mean, as you I mean, just the the book in and of itself, it just breaks down so many things. You know, out there in the audience, you might have someone who um, feels like that they are broken, right? Or they feel like that there's no hope in their marriage. Um, we didn't even touch on porn. That's a whole other enchilada in and of itself. So um, I, I, I held off on that because I... I... Yeah. I love that you refer to porn the way you did in your book as a compulsion, yeah. as a temptation, uh, as a potential device in, in the marriage or divisiveness in, in the marriage. And I love the yeah. language that you used in there. 
And I, I would be interested in exploring that a little bit more if you, if you like. You want to tell us a little bit more about it and why you included it? Yeah. Well, obviously, from personal experience, it was not me, my husband, right? Um, I think it's just he actually, um, it was the, I remember the day, and I'm sure a lot of men and women here can remember the day that their spouse came to them with these, this news, right? Or, or they found out in some other way, right? That'll be a day that you won't ever forget. Um, but that day he came and approached me and it was during this time I actually finished, I had finished writing my first book. And I was, like I said before, I was, I was in a really good place and just felt pretty good about life because I was working on myself. And I think that's what's key here in this chapter, particularly as um, whether man or woman, right, um, is um, really focus on what are you doing in the relationship? What can you do to better yourself, to become a better version of yourself? And that's kind of where I was at that point, luckily. And that's when Trent felt comfortable to actually approach me and tell me about his porn addiction. Because, you know, he has these fears that I would leave him all these things, right? Like everybody might have and um and he came and he told me and it was just you know this gut-wrenching kind of feeling and the first questions that came into my mind what's wrong with me why does it feel like you have to do this I can't believe he's done this um you know he's this amazing man how did porn get hold of him kind of thing and so um back then I was doing a lot of video journaling and so after he told me I just was like okay just hold on a second. I need to go into my closet and kind of think about this. So I went to my closet and for 10 minutes, I just kind of just like talked to myself, like, and just basically just went through in my head what I had just heard. And, but it's interesting. I still have this video and I treasure it, but, um, but you'll notice in, well, you won't notice because you're not watching it, but in the first five minutes, I'm just like processing, like, why, why him? Why me? Everything, right? This pity party. And then the last five minutes, I just kind of make this shift. And it was God telling me, Sarah, he's a son of God. And that's all I heard. That's all I heard. And I knew that I needed to walk with him in this journey. Um, I wasn't out to fix him because I can't fix him, right? But I can walk with him to, you know, figure out how to help him navigate, you know, and how to get the help that he needed kind of stuff. And so um, that was this, the, once again, it's a simple thing, but that was the one thing that really carried me through um, that experience was just recognizing that he's a son of God and together we can work through this porn addiction and we can come out on top and we definitely have and it's been incredible experience um but there's definitely been pain it hasn't been easy but there's definitely a light at the end of the tunnel a lot of people are listening and saying okay yeah you just shared he he just dumped this big thing on you and and if i remember right you you even equate pornography to adultery or or cheating on the relationship am i remembering correctly that's a very yeah. big view to have, one that generally is very divisive in a relationship. And and you also refer to it as, as an addiction. And if you, anybody's been in my group, they know how sensitive I am about that terminology. And yeah. you actually went and learned a lot from Cameron Staley oh, about man. mindfulness, which is not an addiction approach. It's a very mindful yeah. approach which is very in har- very much in harmony with the theme of your book. Non-judgmental, yeah. non-rigid around these things, but being more mindful and self-aware, which is... Self-awareness is mm-hmm. huge, yeah. And I think that led you to this, because usually the, the concepts of addiction don't lead you into the direction that you're talking about. In fact, it leads you in a very opposite direction. But I love that, that mindfulness and unfortunately meeting up with Cameron or, or whatever you learned from him it led you to this idea. Yeah. And one of the concepts that you shared there was, uh, and I'm going to put it in my terminology, I, I don't view sex as a punishment or a reward. I view it as communication. And you talk about there 
yes, it's not your fault. And in, in you, as, as the wife, yeah. you're not responsible for his behavior. However, why are you punishing him by not giving him sex? Is that because of your insecurity? And I, I realize I'm butchering your words. I'm putting them yeah. in mind. But, and correct me if I'm misrepresenting your, your train of thought there, but you're saying embrace them. Don't withhold sex because of yep. maybe your That's insecurities. That's the worst thing you could do. Absolutely. To withhold it. Absolutely. Yeah. Although giving him sex, yeah. you shouldn't have this expectation now. He's going to be safe. You know, let's, in fact, I think you pointed that out, if I remember right, is yes, you said something like, okay, I'm going to give him, because some women do that. I'm going to give him all the sex he needs. So he, he, he avoids it. Then he won't it. even go look. Yeah. And that's yeah. a that's a reward or a punishment approach as opposed to communication and connecting. And so yeah. ironically, yeah. taking that other approach of withholding or giving too much is very much objectification and divisive yeah. in the relationship. It's not connecting. And so I love that you embrace that idea of it's not my responsibility, but I'm not going to miss this opportunity to connect with my partner. And because I I view porn in this context, whatever it is, I'm not going to let that get in in my way with connecting with my partner. I I thought that was beautiful. Yep. Yeah, just finding that middle ground. Um, And I I mean, I remember coming home and asking anything I could about porn because I had no idea what that world was like. None. And so it blew my mind to see like, wow, I, I really don't know anything. Um, but at the same time, like, let's come together and have conversations to see like how we can navigate this new normal, come to a middle ground to, to connect. I mean, yeah, this could be a no, whole nother podcast, but that definitely, um, that experience, I mean, it didn't take me on my sex journey because I, I found out about this like probably like five five years ago. You, you so, mean you mean his use of porn? Yes, his use of porn. And so there was still a couple of years in between there where I was just trying to like, you know, I'd have our communication was better. It wasn't the best that it is now, but um, we were definitely communicating, and I, and and I wasn't the one that was like, you know, denying him and like that kind of thing because I was kind of understanding how, you know, I needed to create this middle ground to see how we can evolve into something better. And so then when I finally accepted like, okay, I need to work on my sexuality, then that took us to a whole nother level. And he's been amazing. And um, yeah, it's like he doesn't have those compulsions anymore. And, and, and if, even if he does, he comes and talks to me about it, you know? And so we've created a very healthy relationship in regards to porn. So, Sarah, um, that is wonderful. I I would actually really love having you on again at a future time to uh, talk about that. Again, the the book is Underneath It All, You're Naked. Wonderful theme throughout the book. I think you did an an amazing job with it, and I think the audience would really benefit from it. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you letting me have a opportunity to share my story. It's always something I like to talk about. Oh, clearly <laughs> changed and my life. Like you, literally changed my life. Yeah. And your journey has it been me. amazing. Thank you so much, Sarah. You're welcome. 